our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Here's a new way to start a sermon. Repent, or you'll perish. Repent. You know, I don't know about you, but I have seen these. And matter of fact, there is a gentleman who sits on the corner of 17th Street and Pine Street, or that's Highway 27 in Ocala. And he is there every day, sitting in a chair, reading and speaking into uh, a uh, microphone in a, a blow, bullhorn. And often he is saying, repent. You know what this is about. It's about someone who is trying to capture the attention of uh, their audience, you know, people like you and me, and bring us to somehow to mind of an awareness of where we have gone astray, where we are living in a way that's contrary to God's will. And I would at least try to put the best construction on that effort its intent is that people will finally recognize where they have gone wrong and turn back to the Lord. But you know, that's only one place or one way in which this shows up where in our society we try to point out one another's errors and sins. And, and we are uh, people who live in a day where we seem to be almost like, well, We've mastered the art of outrage. You, you turn on the news, you read the paper, you know, again on a day like today, and before you know it, there's something else there that just, you know, gets you. And you want to cry out, and you want to say, this is wrong, this is against, you know, God's will, this is against our values, this is against what we believe. They're destroying our nation. And I don't spend much time on social media. Really, the only place that I go to is the Internet to, at times, do legitimate research or Facebook. But part of the reason I don't do much more than Facebook is that's where you see a lot of outrage. You see people who are offended by, people who, you know, are challenged by, and they get on there and they're just, you know, ripping at, you know, whatever the current situation is. It might be, you know, the abuse of children. It might be, you know, poverty. It might be starvation and no one's responding. It might be, you know, a war in a place like Syria where there's such atrocities. It might be our government and some decision they've made or some indecision, you know, their unwillingness to step out and to make a decision. It might be a matter of global warming or it might be when we finally see how, you know, the drug epidemic in our nation is actually hitting home. We're people who seem to have mastered the art of outrage, and, and by the way, all of that sounded like I was pointing them to others, but it comes home, where we may not hold one of these signs up, but where we, you know, in a sense, in a sense are standing uh, to the side and we are pointing, in a sense, our fingers at others saying, see, see what you're doing wrong? Well, today, Jesus challenges us. 
not to look at the wickedness of the people over there as that seems to imply, but he is calling us in our reading today. He even attacks, in a sense, you know, our sense that you know, we have this self-righteous attitude and he is saying to us that we are the ones who need repentance and we need it now. Yes, the need for repentance is ours, as our reading again reminds us. For he says, Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. You see, in uh, chapter 12, the people had heard Jesus' words on reconciliation and on forgiveness. And now they come to him, the crowds come to him, and they report to him about some who had suffered at the hands of Pilate. But their report implies that the ones who had suffered somehow deserved it because they were more wicked than the crowds themselves. Jesus won't let that assumption stand. Pilate's victims were not more wicked than those bringing the report or the innocent victims who suffered when the tower in Siloam fell. My friends, the presence of tragedy or death of any kind is a gift in that it is a stark reminder of the reality of sin including sin in our lives. You see, you and I, we can't say with certainty that any specific tragedy is a result of a specific sin. But at times we try. One of the ones that comes to my mind when I say that sentence is Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Do you remember? started showing up in the, the news about this was God's judgment on New Orleans for its sin, its debauchery. It was out there. Now maybe, you know, for the most part we were just saying, here we go, it's another natural disaster. It's the effects of global warming or whatever it is, but, but there were many who were touting that that was a direct result of their sin. Well, my friends, we cannot say such specific tragedy as a result of a specific sin, but we can say that tragedy in general is a consequence of sin in general. For as Romans 8 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as if in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly our adoption to sonship and redemption of our bodies. What Paul gets at there is that literally the earth and we, his creatures, are actually experiencing every day the effects of sin in the world, original sin, our actual sin, and the sin of others. So when we see tragedy, you and I, I think what we often want to do is distance ourselves from it. The people in our, our reading today, they avoided reality by placing blame on the victims, fostering that that'll never happen to me mentality. 
that comes so easily with our sinful minds. And how about this? We want to blame those who get sick, those who have cancer, for their drinking, their smoking, their unhealthy eating. We're convinced that somehow we can keep ourselves healthy if we just keep living a healthy lifestyle. But friends, tragedy and death should instead remind us of our own sinfulness and our need for salvation. How many of us have been moved to contemplate our own mortality by witnessing the death of a loved one? How many of us go to a funeral and sometimes that somber mood is not just over the individual who's in the casket, but it's over us uh, asking ourselves, when will my day come? And that's not because of some particular sin, but because we're all sinful. We all need to repent because we're all going to die. And the one who dies without repentance and without forgiveness, well, they will perish eternally. And so the time for us to repent is now, today, this moment. Jesus illustrates the seriousness of this situation with a parable in verses 6 through 9. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. And so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Here with Jesus' parable, he is illustrating to us that the axe of judgment is poised and was ready to strike down each of us until Jesus himself interceded on our behalf. The axe of judgment has been delayed, but not forever. It could literally come and swing down at any time, and so our need is urgent. The time for repentance, for change, is now. And yet, thanks be to God that Christ interceded to reconcile us to God our Father in heaven. And as those who have received this new life, this life given to us by Jesus, we are those trees now that produce the fruit of faith. The fruit of faith. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I have interesting conversations sometimes with people over the fruits of the Spirit that I just listed. And people think, you know, those would be nice characteristics to have. Those would be nice traits. But do you know that those are actually expectations of us? as an outflow of us being a people who have been redeemed, people who have been saved, 
So where we are impatient, what's going on there? Where we are lacking kindness, just keep going through the list. But these are the evidence that we are indeed a people who have been redeemed and received from Christ this new life. Because we have this gift of reconciliation, we now look forward to that new and that perfect life that Jesus has won for us. And Jesus promises to come on that last day. He says this in John 5, verse 24. The Lord says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. What a great God we have. And so as we wait for that day of judgment, we are to continue to live in that life of repentance. Continually being prepared for that day when he will come. So anybody here ever been driving down Interstate 75 just kind of having a nice day and suddenly you see up ahead of you a, a state trooper? And what do you do when you see that trooper or that sheriff up ahead? It doesn't matter even how fast you're going, right? You know, your instinct is you tap on the brakes and you slow down. And, and even if you are going 15 miles an hour or truly you are going the speed limit, that's just kind of our, our natural instinct. We slow down. Well, my dear friends, if we know how to react in the presence of a, a law enforcement officer, how much more should we know how to react when death rears its ugly head? Here, Jesus teaches us how we ought to react in the presence of tragedy and death in this fallen world. Rather than, you know, cruising, you know, forward, you know, past uh, the suffering and those in pain and in loss, such pain and such loss should cause us to slow down and realize our own sinfulness and need for repentance. When we realize these things, we shouldn't delay repenting any more than we should continue past the highway patrolman going 90 miles an hour carelessly. We must not my friends, abuse God's grace or try his patience. Rather, we call out to God in confession today and every day that we might receive again and again the gift of absolution right now, right then. And so don't put off for to tomorrow what we need today. You and I, we live in a world that um, is really good at rationalizing away its sin, pointing to the sin of others. But the Lord calls us today. He calls us today not to somehow think that, you know, we are without sin. We don't need to repent. He calls us today to again have this judgment apply to us, not just to others. Stop making excuses for our sin and look to God to forgive us. So, let us today 
in this reminder that all of us will one day face death. All of us need to repent of our sin. Let us today give thanks to God for he has delivered his son to death in our place that we might die not eternally, but only temporarily, only for the moment. May our Lord keep us faithful in repentance until the day that he returns and brings us to our heavenly home. Yes, we must repent, and God will forgive. Amen. And now.